So it's the first Sunday of the month, and it's our practice here at White Plains for us to, to observe communion. And as we look around and see Christmas, and we just sang Christmas, and we're expecting Christmas, we're, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. And as we start this series in um, the, the Gospel of Luke, and we think about the birth of Jesus, I want us, as we approach communion, to realize why he came. Jesus was born to die. And as we celebrate communion, we remember his death. Jesus was born to die. And, and listen to this from, from 1 Corinthians. This is chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. From the Lord, what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, for which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So this morning, we're going to proclaim his death as we begin to celebrate his birth because Jesus was born to die. We practice open, open communion here at White Plains, and that means regardless of your church membership here uh, or your affiliation with our denomination, uh, if you are following after Jesus, you are welcome to celebrate and remember uh, and join us in communion uh, this morning. However, if you're not sure about what you think about Jesus, if you're, if you're not following after him, uh, we would ask that you just uh, respectfully observe this next, these next few moments with us as we uh, remember his death. I'll invite the ushers to come forward as they come. So as we pass the plates, they're going to be, juice will be on top of the bread, so make sure that you grab both, both cups as they are passed. We also have a gluten-free option for those uh, at the welcome desk. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for this time together as we start this Christmas season, remembering the reason why Jesus was born, to die for us. And Lord, we pray that as we consider the, his death for us, Lord, that we would confess what needs to be confessed to you, that we would repent where we need to repent and recognize your sovereignty over our lives, not only in this season, but in all seasons of life. Jesus, we thank you for we observe this supper together. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
nearing the end of his earthly life, Jesus is sitting with his friends, the disciples, and as they are eating, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and said, Take of it, eat, this is my body. Jesus continues, and he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he said to them, Drink of it, all of you, for this is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for the many for their forgiveness of sins. It is good to share in the Lord's Supper together. Kids, it's good to see you here at church always. I want to let you know that at the welcome desk, we've printed a family advent guide for you and your family, and so as you guys think about Christmas and getting ready for Christmas to show up, uh, maybe as a family, spend some nights each, each week throughout this season together going through this guide, and so parents, you can grab this on your way out. It's at the welcome desk. Uh, kids, you guys are dismissed to, to the lobby to be taken up to Kids Church. Kids Church is for kids in kindergarten through sixth grade. Parents and grandparents, you'll be able to pick them up in the lobby after our service is over. As they're leaving, I want to remind you that next Sunday is Christmas Sweater Sunday, and I told you last week the Pierce family is ready for Christmas Sweater Sunday. I wish wish it was next Sunday already, to be honest. It's going to be fun, so I'm looking forward to seeing what all you all all, uh, wear. But it's not just uh, for us. We're going to invite the, uh, the high school and the middle school boys and girls basketball teams and their families to join us as we uh, cook a hot dog and grab a bag of chips, uh, spend some time with, with these high school athletes. Um, we're beginning our Christmas series today, the Songs of Christmas, and we're going to look at four songs in the Gospel of Luke, and this morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 45. We're going to be spending a lot of time in Luke chapters 1 and 2 in this series. Our kids' Christmas play is going to be based upon the Christmas story here in Luke's chapter, Luke chapter 1 and 2. And so I would encourage you this Christmas season to spend some extended time reading through Luke 1 and 2 to, uh, to encourage you. R.C. Sproul makes this observation in his exposition of Luke, uh, A Walk with God. Sproul says this, One unique thing about Luke's gospel is that he records several songs inspired by the Holy Spirit. There were several times in biblical history when the Holy Spirit inspired people to sing, such as the songs of Moses, after the children of Israel had been delivered from Pharaoh. It seems that when God comes and gives his people a song, it's to celebrate some victory that God has wrought. At this point, The greatest victory of all is still to come. When Christ enters the world, it's interesting, Sproul says, that the Bible promises that heaven that gives us a new song. So we're looking at four songs over the next four weeks here in the Gospel of Luke. God has given these songs that we're going to look at to those people who sung them. God inspires us to sing songs about him, and he's done this all throughout the biblical history as he brings about victory. And Sproul points us to Revelation 
as we look to the final and greatest victory that we'll have a new song to sing then. As we sing, as we worship together, our singing is about God. Our singing is to God, and our singing is meant to encourage and build up the church, the people of God. Let's look at Luke 1, 46 through 55. This is Mary's song. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Let's pray in response to what we just read. God, thank you for the way you work. Well, thank you for this song about how you have worked in Mary's life. Lord, the attributes we, we learn of you in this song, help them to pierce our hearts this morning. We thank you for Jesus and for this Christmas season. In his name we pray. Amen. Now Mary didn't just sing the song out of nowhere. There's a backstory here. And if you're familiar with the Christmas narrative, then you know Gabriel. And Gabriel some news to give to the Virgin Mary. He said that she was going to be pregnant and give birth to Jesus. He also told her that older relative and barren relative Elizabeth was also going to have a child too. Two miracle births, one from a virgin and one from barrenness. We see that early on in this story that God is at work at Christmas. God is at work here in this first Christmas, and we can trust that God is at work this Christmas. Let's look again at verses 46 through 48 to see what kind of work God is doing in Mary's life. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. God is at work in Mary's life, and she sings about God's work in her life. And so what is this work that God is doing in Mary, for Mary? The first thing in your notes is that God saves Mary. God saves Mary. Mary calls God my Savior. God saves Mary because Mary needs a Savior. Now, there's some debate amongst Protestants and Catholics on the nature of Mary, whether she was sinless or, like us, sinful. Mary, we believe in us, sinful. And we see that we come to this conclusion because 
Even though Mary gives birth to Jesus, she is not Jesus. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And there's no reason to think Mary doesn't fall into this verse just like you and I do. Mary acknowledges her need for a Savior there in verse 47. God saves Mary because she needs a Savior. But that's not all. God doesn't just save her. We see that God acknowledges her. He recognizes her. He sees Mary. He sees her. God sees Mary. He looked down, as Mary says, at her humble estate. God chose Mary as he saw her to bring about the birth of Jesus. God saw that Mary was humble and devoted to God. And those are good things to strive to be, to be humble and devoted to God. But Mary's humility and her devotion did not save her. And it did not earn God's choosing of her. Because that's not the way that God saves or chooses people to work through. We see that in the Bible, God chooses all kinds of people to work through. We see that he chooses people like Saul, who we later know as Paul, who was not humble. He was not devoted to God. In fact, as God was choosing Saul... God blinded Saul, and Jesus spoke to Saul, and Jesus asked him, Why are you persecuting me? Saul was persecuting the church. He was persecuting God. At the Regardless of your background, God can save you. Regardless of your background, even currently, God can use you. He can choose you to work through. God sees and chooses Mary. Who is this God that sees and chooses. Let's look at verses 49 and 50. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. We've got a list, a short list, a brief, an incomplete list of some attributes of God right here. We see that God is mighty. He is active. He is holy, and he is merciful. This is the God who sees and chooses. He is mighty, active, holy, and merciful. As we approach Christmas this season, I would encourage you to be reminded of these attributes of God. As you look at your Christmas tree, as you see the Christmas decorations, according to Mary's proclamation, he is mighty, he is active, he is holy, and he is merciful. In his might, God can do great things. God can do great things. He does so for Mary, and there's no reason to think that he won't do it for you. God does great things. The big message of the Bible, the big storyline in the Bible, is a telling of God doing great things to rescue and save people like you and me. In his actions, God not only can do great things, God is at work doing great things. We see this ultimately in him bringing people like you and me to a saving knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is. God great saves. In his holiness, God does things that only God can do. That's what holy means, doing things only God can do. And God in his holiness does things 
only God alone can do. And it relates to all types of things, including our salvation. God is the one who brings salvation in us. This is holy work. God is holy. You and I were meant to be holy. In fact, in Genesis, when God created humanity, he made humans to do holy work alongside God. But sin quickly entered the picture, quickly entered the lives and separated us, humanity, from him, God, and that holy work. At the first of the year, we're going to be spending some time in Genesis because there's so much good stuff in the first 11 chapters that we want to spend 11 weeks looking through how we got here. And that's the title of the sermon series in Join us for that series to create you. In his mercy, God provides us ways to return to that holy work that we were created for. We'll get to this more later this morning because Mary gets into it deeper in her song. God's desire for your holiness, your ability to do holy work alongside him is still there. And God provides in his mercy ways for you to return to that holy work. Let's look at some of the ways that God acts to bring out your return to holy work in Luke 1, 51-53. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down them from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Remember, God's desire is for us to return to that holy work. God wants you to be able to return to the holy work that you were created for. And you can't do that when you're stuck in sin and separated from God. You can't do that. God takes sin seriously. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus. We remembered the death of Jesus because... God takes sin seriously. We should take our sin. He scatters the proud, brings down the mighty, exalts the lowly, fills the hungry, and empties the rich. God is strong. God is able. He is all-powerful. He scatters the proud. He brings down the mighty. He exalts the lowly. He fills the hungry and he empties the rich. God is strong. God is able. He is all-powerful. And because God is all these things, he can be trusted. You can trust God. And because God is all these things, you must bow before him. He alone is God. Are you proud? Be warned. God scatters the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Are you in a position of power? Don't abuse that power. Because God is more powerful than you. And he can bring down the mighty from their thrones. Are you trusting in your riches? Trust alone. 
empty. God, he raises the powerless. Are you hungry? God is more than able to fill you. In fact, God will fill you with good things. Trust God. Mary's song is full of truth about how God interacts with us individually. But that's not all. God's mercy is meant for us as a group. Look at me with, at verses four, uh, 54 and 55. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. God isn't just calling us individually to return to the holy work that we were created for. The story of the Bible tells of God's people. In the Old Testament, this people is the people of Israel. God's people are the group of people that God is working in and through, demonstrating and telling to the world who God is. In the New Testament, this people begins to include Gentiles as they are grafted into the true Israel. And now that we're in the church age, the church today is this people of God, this true Israel. So how does God interact with his people? God helps his people. In God's mercy, he helps us. God helps his people. You can read about this, how God has over and over helped his people in the Old Testament. That is the story that happens over and over in the Old Testament, God helping his people, even when his people didn't deserve being helped. Even when they go against God, God shows mercy time and time again, and he helps his people. God is faithful. This Old Testament is a telling God's faithfulness. God makes promises. He remembers those promises, and he makes good on those promises. We're celebrating the coming of making good of the greatest promise here at Christmas. Jesus is the Messiah in the Old Testament, of the Old Testament that it's pointing us to. He's the one that is, that is anticipated. Jesus is the one that is hoped for in the Old Testament. Jesus is the Savior, and God is faithful, and he remembers his people. Our salvation is communal and individual. Did you notice the way that God has expressed his mercy here? It is to the plural group of his people. Luke 1 says, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. It is to a group. It is to a collective, us. When you come to Christ, you become a child of God. And you join the people of God. You are rescued from the evil inside you individually, but then you are delivered also to the community of the church. Your salvation is both communal and individual. That means that God's mercy is best experienced in the, when you are actively involved with the people of God 
in the local church. Your Christian life is not meant to be lived in isolation outside the ministry and activity in your local church. Let me take just a moment to speak to the ones who are not following after Jesus. You are living life on your own terms. You are living life according to your own desires and your own plans. Forever with life for if this is you, you're not alone in this room. There are others just like you. And let me just say thank you for being with us and spending the last 30 minutes listening about God who you don't necessarily recognize. Let me also say that God loves you, that he is after you. God is after you because of his love for you. You might have heard the most popular verse in the Bible, John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. God is after you because he loves you. God loves you. And listen to these words from Alistair Begg in his book, Christmas Playlist. Here is the God of Christmas, the God of history. He is a God who knows you, and he cares about you, and he makes promises to you. He acts to help you. He is the mindful God. I'll invite the worship team to come back up, and we're going to sing in a moment a song of invitation. If you want to talk more about what it means to follow Jesus, this is a time for you to come forward. And you can ask questions, you can talk to me, you could come and pray. You're more than welcome to stay in your seats and pray as well. If you sense that God is after you because of his love for you, turn to him. Stop running. God greatly saves, and he can save you from a life of sin and separation and give you a life of purpose and joy that will return you to the holy work that you were created for. This God of Christmas, he knows you. He cares about you. He promises, he makes promises to you and he helps you. He does this ultimately in the life, the ministry, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Will you follow Jesus today? You stand as we pray. God, we thank you for... Jesus, his birth, his life, ministry, death, and resurrection. As we celebrate Jesus, help us to out as Lord. Thank you for Jesus. To his name we pray. Amen.